Today we have Jeff from the Style OG on the Buttoned Up Podcast. Jeff, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Fantastic. Well, I got a little bit of information on your background when we were at Memfluential. I've been watching your channels. I actually caught for the first time, I think it was your Chelsea Boot video was the first one where I was like, oh, Jeff from the Style OG, look at these videos. And so... Uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to diving into your background a little bit, learning more about you, and introducing you to the Buttoned Up uh, audience. Sounds good. Sounds good. Well, first I'll start off a little bit about how I started the channel. So I started the channel um, March the 3rd of last year, and a couple of reasons why I started. One, um, I've always had kind of a, a pretty big interest in style, even since I was a kid. Um, always been pretty introverted guy, but I noticed when I would go to where and I was dressed certain ways, I could kind of communicate without having to say anything. So I kind of took note of that. And that's how I really started probably as a, I would say as a teenager, I realized if I dress a certain way, it kind of gives me an entry into different rooms that I go into. So that's how I first started getting into style. And then maybe I want to say when I was 18 or 19, like a lot of guys, I started reading GQ magazine a lot. And I can actually specifically remember um, there was a Michael Jordan cover. When I was probably 18 or 19, he had a suit on with a basketball. And I said, wow, I love sports. I love style. You can do both. And so that kind of spurred my interest. And since then, I probably literally have not maybe missed four uh, issues of GQ since then. I became hooked. So that's kind of how I got, got into style. So fast forward, um, I've had several careers, but my main um, occupation, I'm a chiropractor. That's what I've been doing for 17, 18 years, and I love it. And a lot of times I wear scrubs, but just because I like to dress well, I'll dress up. And I noticed not only just family and friends, but a lot of the patients would ask me questions about what made you put that together? Or why did you wear that? And I found myself answering a lot of questions and actually enjoying sharing some of that information with people. So. I started watching some YouTube channels, you know, the usual Antonio, Jose, Aaron, and I was watching a lot of YouTube videos on style just because that was my interest. But I liked all of their channels, but I almost had to kind of put some of the things almost all together to get a channel that I wanted. And one of the things I always remember people saying in different businesses, if, you, if you're looking for a product that doesn't necessarily exist, maybe you need to create it. So that's kind of what spurred me on to start the channel. It's kind of that simple. Definitely entrepreneurial spirit. And you have a little bit of that at being a chiropractor. Or do you, that's, that's part of your background too? Very much so. I'll tell you one of the things they don't teach you in chiropractic school. And I think this is with any doctor. They teach you how to be a doctor, but they don't teach you that you're really just a, a small business person that happens to be a doctor, especially um, in a non-traditional um, healthcare field like chiropractic. You kind of have to sell yourself and sell chiropractic because it's a little out of the mainstream. So my mom's a chiropractor as well. So I've watched some of her trials and tribulations. So I had an idea that it was more entrepreneurial than maybe some of my classmates. But to what extent, you don't know until you get into it. Um, so there's a lot of selling. There's a lot of image. There's a lot of just communicating to the patients. And they're almost like customers. So not only have I been a chiropractor for a while, but I've also been a bit of a serial entrepreneur. So I did kind of um, approach YouTube a little bit from an entrepreneurial perspective. First, it was a passion, but I also kind of did the background work, studied the algorithm, studied how people were kind of making money doing it. 
And I've always wondered, like, you know, I'm in my 40s now, and, and I've always had a passion for style. But I said, eh, I'll never be able to make any money doing it or making it a business or have any entrepreneurial interest. It'll always be a hobby. But once I started watching YouTube and seeing other guys make a career out of it, I was like, wow, maybe I can um, approach it from an entrepreneurial kind of angle as well as um, just sharing a passion with a lot of guys. Because like I said, I love sharing like style and fashion information with people on a one-on-one -on -one basis. But as YouTube grew, I said, wow, I can share this information with a bunch of people at the same time. And at the same time, kind of challenge myself. Because even at this age, I'm still a bit of an introvert. I'm not the biggest... Uh, I'm not the center of attention type of guy. So I said, this is a way for me to kind of break out of my comfort zone. I can talk to a bunch of people by just looking at a camera, challenge myself, do something entrepreneurial, and talk about a passion of mine. So it's kind of like a perfect storm. That's awesome. So when, when you started, you said there was this period where you were kind of studying YouTube, studying the other guys. You had an idea about uh, a void that needed filling. What are some of the, I guess, lessons or maybe hypothesis that you, you had before you started your channel about like the algorithm and what kind of videos and what kind of approach you're going to take? Well, what I did, I actually, I'm a, I, I'm, I'm not afraid to admit I'm a bit of a nerd. So what I was doing, I was watching a lot of the channels that show you how to grow a YouTube channel. And of course they weren't um, genre based or style based. They just were teaching you how to build a channel and what to do. So a lot of the tidbits I picked up were simple things like, no one knows who you are when you first start out, unless you're a celebrity or if you're bringing an audience from another social media platform like a lot of people did when Vine died or Instagram, which I had none of that. I'm just a regular guy in Philadelphia, chiropractic, nobody knows me on the internet. So what I discovered was, and what kind of clicked to me, YouTube is the second biggest search engine. What do people look for in a search engine? They look on how to solve a problem. So I said, I don't know what I'll do. I'll do a bunch of videos style related, but do how to's. Because if I can solve a problem and a person likes my approach to solving the problem, maybe they'll come back. So what I decided to do, I said, I'm gonna do between five and 10 videos. So when a person comes and they discover, like one of my first videos was how to wear a tie clip. Now they may say, okay, I like the guy. He did a good job on the tie clip. Does he have any other videos? So I, I think I had seven videos my first day I launched. And I made sure they were all searchable. So once you discover the, the video and I solve your problem and then you watch two or three more, you said, hmm, he solved my problem and I kind of like him too. So maybe I'll come back. So my first thing was, how can I get people to discover my channel when you don't know who I am? So I, like I said, YouTube's a search engine, people looking for answers to problems. So I said, 99% of my videos in the beginning are going to be how to do this, how to do that and all style related. So I think that gave me an advantage instead of just kind of haphazardly throwing up what I wanted to talk about. I said, let me solve problems. That's what YouTube is for. And maybe they'll like me. You know, one of the things I definitely did, um, like a lot of things, I didn't see a representation of myself, someone who looks like me, talks like me, has my certain amount of style, whether it's, you know, minority, African-American, just... Uh, from an urban perspective, and fortunately for me, I've lived all over the United States. I live in Philadelphia, Arizona, Iowa. So I've moved within different socioeconomic backgrounds, different cultural backgrounds. So I feel like I can relate to almost anyone. But it's it's always a good thing if you can have someone who's a representation of yourself. You see someone who looks like you and sounds like, like you. And I realized that was one of the voids that I saw. I didn't think anyone looked like me, sound like me, and had my perspective. And 
one of the best things that one of my friends told me, because to be honest, I, per I probably procrastinated about a year doing it. I wasn't sure. I said, I'm a little older. What do I know about YouTube? Are these young guys going to want to listen to me? And my buddy said to me, he's like, Jeff, what is it called? YouTube, just be you. I said, ah, okay, I'll, I'll just be me and see what happens. And I think one of the key things that I did was figure out what the channel was going to be and how could I authentically be me. So how I came up with the style of G is I'm an older guy, much older than your typical YouTube audience. But I feel like I can position myself as kind of like your cool uncle or your older brother or even to younger guys, the dad you never had and give you style advice from a cooler, older guy's perspective. But I'm not trying to act like I'm your age. I'm your OG. I'm older than you. I have some knowledge I want to share. I'm going to give you it from my experience, my style, and hopefully it connects with you. So I think without, without knowing it, I kind of branded myself in the beginning because it's authentically who I am. I'm the older guy who's into style. I'm talking to young guys and helping them out with their style. So I think even deciding on the name and deciding that I'm going to be authentically who I am and not pretend to be something else would resonate with the younger audience that's on YouTube. So I think, I think choosing the name and kind of owning who I am, where am I am in my life and what I wanted to talk about, I think those were key things that helped as well. Yeah, I love it, man. And it, it is a great name. It, it's got it's kind of multifaceted. It kind of describes, you know, a, a few different things about you and your channel. Um, and it's, you know, easy to remember, catchy. Um, I wanted to ask a little more about the the search uh, strategy, I would say, because like my background is in SEO, and I, I think there there are, you know, YouTube's a huge search engine. There are kind of two approaches. You see channels that are going after, like, the viral approach, which is, like, enticing thumbnails, kind of, you know, clickbaity headlines. They're trying to get as many views in that first 48 hours as they can. And then there's the search uh, approach, which is like what you were doing, what, what kind of John's doing, where you're looking at that long tail, long-term traffic. So given that you've been doing that approach for a while, do you see that your videos get more popular over time? Yeah, what I've noticed is that um, what happens is, and, and one of my approaches too was, I kind of watched Jose from Teaching Men Fashion, and I've been watching him for a while, and I noticed, and I'm sure there were other factors that played into it, but I noticed he had a tremendous spike when he did daily output. So at first I was doing three times a week and I said, you know what, let me dive in and, and, and do every day. So one of the things I, people know in my videos, almost every day without fail, you're gonna see a new video from me. So it, it not only if you discovered me, I wanted to have a big library that if you discover me today, wow, I've never even heard of this dude. He has 300 videos. So that's gonna pull in more people. and because the videos are searchable, uh, a lot of my videos that still get the most traffic are six months old, eight months old. Like I have a video that I did probably near the very beginning on how and where to apply cologne, which to me is not even one of my better videos. I still was getting my, you know, my, my bearings. That one's up to 50,000 views and it probably only got 30 views the first day, but it still continuously grows. I don't know what to attribute that to, but a lot of my videos now that still get the most views are videos I've done months and months ago that are very searchable. And one of the things I did also, which I probably learned by watching how to go to YouTube channel is, if I find a video that's successful, I repeat it. And what I mean by that, um, my most successful videos usually have to do with shoes or sneakers. So I have a few videos like how to style classic sneakers like an Adidas Superstar, uh, Adidas Stan Smith, the Air Jordan one, 
those are some of my most successful videos. My most successful video is how to wear Air Jordans, Air Jordan 1s. It has 100 and I think 80,000 views. So I said, hmm, if that one worked, let me try, let me go in my closet, see what other um, classic sneakers I have. So I did a Converse Chuck Taylor. That has 80,000 views. I did checkerboard vans. Those have 70,000, so on and so on. So then I said, okay, I don't wear sneakers that often. I also wear shoes. So let me do a boot video. So like John mentioned, the Chelsea boot video. The Chelsea boot video did very well, but the video after that was a chucker boot video. That one does very well. So what I found is you take a video, some of your most successful videos, and you kind of repeat them. You make a series of them. You make playlists. And one of the things I think uh, um, I've done is, in which I didn't do in the beginning, I kind of wanted to talk about what I wanted to talk about. But then once I saw the videos kind of take off, the ones that I didn't necessarily expect it to take off, I said, you know what? I have to give the audience what they're asking. This channel's not for me. It's for me to express what I like, but I'm trying to serve, serve an audience. So let me listen to the audience, the videos that are most successful. Let me do a series and keep repeating them. And it, it kind of actually to me is a little bit of a cheat code. It helps me come up with new content. So I'll say, okay, this sneaker video was popular. Let me do a different Adidas sneaker. Or let me do this shoe. Or let me do, I may have done a Chelsea boot. Now let me do suede Chelsea boot. And let me do a leather Chelsea boot. There's so many different approaches that you can take that I like to, and, and here's another video. I, I knew a little bit about cologne and fragrance, not my strongest point, but I do have some experience with it and I do know some. So I threw up a couple of cologne videos. They started to take off. Now, did I necessarily think that was the topic I wanted to hone in on much? No, but the audience likes that topic. I go for it. That's a great point. We talked about that with Alex Costa as well as, you know, you've got your hits, which is what people want to watch, and you've got your own stuff, which is keeps your channel really fresh. It keeps you excited about it. But stepping back one step from that, when you, I can see where you started from, you know, understanding YouTube, having your own personal style, and, and creating your, your brand, and, and I think that's really what has excelled your channel into success. But what was your first step of even just getting a camera, setting up a studio, and starting to edit video? Because... As a chiropractor, I don't know that you ever opened uh, Final Cut or a video editor. Never, never. So I'm someone that sometimes I can overanalyze. That's probably one of my personality flaws. So I would talk about the YouTube channel all the time. I'm going to do a YouTube channel, talk with friends, family. And my girlfriend one day said, I'm so tired of you talking about this YouTube channel. Are you going to do it? Yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I just don't have a camera. I don't have this. I don't have that. So Christmas of 2016... She buys me a Canon 70D for Christmas. I open up the box. I'm excited, but I'm like, oh man, now I have to do it. So I'm someone actually who kind of can, even though I will procrastinate, I can be impulsive as well. I said, you know what? Now I got to do it. So then I, I had already researched Final Cut. I, I didn't know anything about it. So I start, I got Final Cut as well. I said, I'm going to give myself three months. So that was December, 2016. I said, I'll give myself three months to learn as much as I can. I gave myself a start date. I said, March 3rd, I don't care how much I know, what I don't know. I know my own weaknesses. I will procrastinate. So if I give myself a hard deadline, I'll do it. So what I decided to do, I said, I'm going to um, come up with 10 topics I'm going to talk about. Um, I'm going to practice. I'm going to write scripts, which back then I probably overly scripted everything. I was overprepared. So some of my first videos, they, they're very monotonous and, dare I say, very boring because you can tell I'm coming off a script. 
But I think one of the things, and a lot of people spoke about this at Menfluential, and it's one of the things that I share with a lot of guys who ask me, you know, for help and advice. The main thing is just do it. Um, I was worried about being too perfect. I wanted everything to be just right. And it's never going to be just right. Um, even, I'd say, after a month or two, I started noticing some improvements. And I was always okay with getting constructive criticism, especially from some of my friends who are very direct. And I had some of my friends say, Jeff, I'm not watching those videos anymore. You're boring. You're very boring. So what I did, then I would add music. I would add different cuts until I became more comfortable in my own skin. But the main thing that happened is, you know, my girlfriend put me on the spot. She bought the camera. I had no excuses. I already had um, my laptop. I just had to get Final Cut Pro. Went on Amazon, ordered some lighting. I had studied what three-point lighting was. So I had done the study. I just had to get comfortable, and I had to push myself to just start. And once I got started, that opened the floodgates. Then the ideas started, more ideas started pouring in. And, you know, like I said, I share with everyone, just start. I think one of the great things about YouTube, I don't think the audience really expects perfection. I think they, some of my videos that have done the best are ones that I even say in the video. This one is off the cuff, no script. I'm just going to talk to you. They love when I do that. Now, I don't feel comfortable doing that all the time. I'm someone who likes preparation. But those are some of my videos that work the best. The, the flubs, the, the stumbling on my words, just going straight through. People seem to, seem to like that. So it was basically, like I said, I got put on the spot and I had no choice. I talked so much crap for a year. I just had to step up. Yeah, I think the whole like almost in your bedroom type of format just does so well on YouTube because other people are watching it in the same space. It feels very personal. So that is, uh, that's really cool. I'm the same way. I can be procrastinative but also compulsive. So... I definitely, I definitely feel you there. Dude, one of the things, too, I, I, I think I had to do, too, was I was a big consumer of YouTube. And I think I kind of got lost in the thought that, you know, a successful YouTube channel is somebody with 8 million subscribers and 2 million subscribers. But then when I dove into the numbers, and I would play around on, on Social Blade and see people's numbers, and I would see people with 50,000 or 60,000 subscribers, they were in the top 5% subscriber because... I think the last time, I think there's like 6 million YouTube channels. And even at the relatively small audience that I have, I'm like, I think I'm about, I just don't, don't check my subscribers often because I can get obsessed with numbers, so I purposely don't check them. But I, the last time I'm checking around 38,000, which puts me at the top 160,000 YouTube channels, which is in the top 2 or 3%. So one of the things I think I got lost in was a successful YouTube channel are those with 10, 5, a million subscribers, but that's not the case. The average YouTube channel only has five or 600 subscribers. It only gets five or 600 views. So part of it too was realizing that to be successful, you didn't have to be very big. And big is a relative term and it's not as big as I think the average consumer or even the average creator thinks big is. It's a lot smaller. That yeah, that's so sense. true. It's, it's so easy to get caught up in comparing yourself to bigger, uh, possibly more successful people, but especially in our industry, like there is always someone bigger. So it's, you know, like I, I had a hundred thousand not too long ago subscribers, which as we know is kind of a vanity metric, but even then it was like, it, I guess it didn't feel as good as I thought it would because there's, you just look around and you're like, Oh, well that channel has 250 or 500 or a million. So I, I think it's really important to, like you're saying, compare yourself to where you were and not necessarily some of the other bigger channels. You, I found that, and, and I think one of the things that's helped me is because I went to school to be a chiropractor, I understand 
long game, and I also understand delayed gratification. So most of my friends didn't go to graduate school. They, you know, they had families, they had houses. While they're in their 20s, I'm still in school. And I actually changed my major when I was about 23, 24. So I didn't finish chiropractic school until I was 30, 31. But I think going to school that long and having a bit of an older school approach, even though this is a new technology, new, new, you know, new, uh, new paradigm, I still think it's okay to apply old school things. For one, I've owned several businesses that did not make any money at all or didn't make any money for two or three or four years. That's normal business to me. So for me, I, I did um, have some numerical goals as far as subscribers, views, money I didn't think about at all. Because like I said, I've been an entrepreneur most of my life. I don't expect to make money in a business for two, three, four years. But there were certain benchmarks as far as subscribers, views, and more importantly, growth. If I saw month-to-month -month growth, that's all I was looking for. And fortunately, I've been much more successful than I expected or hoped for. But I'm not nearly satisfied because it's kind of a, a dual thing. I am able to compare myself to myself, but I played sports as a, as a, as a teenager and as a kid. I am competitive, so I do look at other people. But I also try to remind myself that most of the people that I'm looking at comparing myself to have been doing it five, six, seven, eight years. I'm just a little bit over a year old. So there is that kind of a push and pull of, I'm doing great, but this guy has 200. This guy has 500. This guy has a million. But they've been doing it much longer. So you kind of got to balance that. I think sometimes you have to pat yourself on the back for your own accomplishments and just compete compete with yourself yeah it's so true man yeah if you look at you know some of the big guys like yeah you know you i mean six years from now like who you know who knows will you be i mean pro probably very big but but i mean do you 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 clearly like you kind of you're a planner you you you're uh very thoughtful with your approach so what is your goal say best case scenario five years what what will styleology look like well i have a lot of i, I i'm very detail-oriented. I, I write things down, have vision boards. I have a lot of things. So I do, and, and mainly I try not to look at subscriber and view goals. Um, those are not the most important. The, the most important thing to me, I'm definitely building this as a brand. There are a lot of different ideas that may come with that, whether it's um, putting online courses, putting some of my materials together to maybe charge a, um, a fee for some of the stuff. One of the things I'm concerned about is not being too heavily reliant on YouTube. YouTube will probably, I would venture to say it's probably going to be here to stay. I want to use it as a hub to maybe do other things. But my main focus will remain in this YouTube channel. I actually told myself, I'm going to give myself five years to do this. So I'm in it minimum another four years. Um, if I continue to grow, you know, I don't expect to grow as much as I've done in the beginning, because I don't think it's sustainable. Like the last few quarters, I've doubled every quarter. I don't expect that. But I have certain benchmark goals. Like, you know, like I said, I just passed my first year anniversary in March. My goal by the second year is to have 100,000 subscribers. Maybe in four or five years, be closer to the three, four, 500,000 subscriber amount, which I think is very doable at my current pace. There's a few things that I haven't done that I should have done, which I haven't done any collaboration. I've probably done one on somebody else's channel. That's been a hole because part of my problem, a personality problem, I don't like to, I sometimes feel like you're asking for a favor. So I got to get over that. That's that's something I got to work on. 
Um, I would like to, 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 to do things that definitely pertain to style, if that involves maybe a clothing line along the way, T-shirt, two-no shoes, all kind of things. I think the I try not to put any limits on it, but my main goal is to continue to share information with guys. One of the things that I found out and I, that I kind of didn't expect was that the personal connection you make with people, like I get so many people emailing me, thanking me and saying how I helped them get a job or they were able to talk to this girl. They just feel more confident or I'm giving them advice that they never got. And it's, it's helping people much more than expected. And I've had a couple that kind of actually, I don't mind, it made me a little bit emotional. So one of the things I try to remember that no matter how many numbers you get, it's kind of a one-to-one -one experience. And what kind of really honed this in for me is that most of your viewership comes from mobile. So you're really having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with someone on their phone. So that's what I try to remember. I try to leave the numbers out. I want to make this successful. It's, it's become a business. I'm making a few bucks. Of course, my main income still is my chiropractic. But here soon, in the next 60, 90 days, I'm actually going to relocate to Atlanta. I went to chiropractic school in Atlanta. And I'm kind of going to do YouTube more full-time and make chiropractic part-time. So I'm going to switch. I'm diving all in. I'm very serious about this. Um, I've been surprised by the success. So I'm going to take advantage of it. When I see opportunity, I'm going to seize it. But my main thing is to try to help as many guys as possible grow the brand, and, and, and I really want to make it a serious brand that people take seriously, that I have some type of authority, some authenticity, and I have quality material that I give to, to people, and any recommendations, whether it's sponsors or products that I give, people can trust and believe in what I say and know it's coming from an authentic place. But I see the sky, the sky being the limit with it. Um, the possibilities, I think, are endless, because I try to remember you can talk to anyone in the world that they stumble across your video. So I don't really see any limits. And I really plan on making this first most quality I can. And then if size comes with that, great. I want the great quality, but I will not lie. I want to make it as successful and big as possible, whatever that level is for me. That's incredible. And I know that uh, we talked a little bit about your next move when we were at Menfluential, but uh, I just came, I just started a new format that I tried out with with a collaboration with another channel. So maybe we can try that out. But uh, investing in yourself, sounds like you're about to do that in Atlanta, but how did you make the leap to saying you knew about Menfluential to getting there? And then we'll talk about you know your next 60, 90 days location. Well, with Menfluential, I watched, like I said, I've been watching Aaron and those guys for years. And I, w I would watch the videos about StyleCon. Of course, it used to be called StyleCon. I was like, man, that's pretty interesting. I see a lot of guys there with similar interests. And it just um, really piqued my curiosity. And plus, a lot of my friends live down south, especially in Atlanta. I said, well, it's a, it's a great, it's a win-win situation. I said, the next time, when I'm actually, now I actually started to go the year before, but I said, no, I want to at least have my foot in the door and um, have my channel going. So I was going to go in 20, uh, the year before, 2017. But I said, no, let me start my channel first, and then I'll have an even better reason to go. But I, one of the things that um, I don't get to do much in my career as a chiropractor, I don't network very much. Um, there's not a lot of opportunities to network. So I kind of, on paper, understood the power of networking, but I've never seen it in practice. So I actually kind of almost didn't go, but my girlfriend was like, just go. You have to understand the power of networking. You have to meet people. You'll meet like-minded people. You'll get ideas. So I said, let me just go. And when I went, 
man, I, I was so happy that I, when I got to meet a lot of you guys, I got to meet a lot of the people that watch the channel, and it kind of reinforced to me, yeah, these are real people that I'm talking to. Because when you're talking to the camera, you, you don't really see them. But as soon as I got there, there were a couple of guys that recognized me and thanked me for the channel, and, and they wanted to take pictures. Like, there are actually real people watching this stuff. And then I got to sit back and talk to, you know, John, Brock, and a whole bunch of other people that were doing similar things, kind of had some questions that I needed answers, but I didn't have anybody locally that I could really talk to or relate to. So going to Menfluential, man, it really, it really was a big thing for me. I knew it would be, but I didn't know it would affect me that much. It really motivated me and reinforced to me that I was doing a lot of the right things because one of the things that, I, that that happened was I met a lot of guys who were thinking about starting the channel or thinking about doing something, whether it's YouTube or something else, and they were struggling with some of the same things I was struggling with, which is just getting started or or having the motivation or, or just kicking yourself in the butt and just start. And I can be a very direct person. I was telling guys, look, just start. If I find out you haven't started, I'm going to find you and I'm going to kick your ass. Just start. And I made people give them their phone numbers. I made people say, look, if you don't start, I'm going to chase you down. Because I know how important it was when my girlfriend gave me the camera and gave me no choice. So Menfluential, man, it was, a, it was a big thing for me, especially to get to talk to other people, get outside of my own YouTube bubble and share some of the same experiences, whether they're positive and negative. And I got a lot of motivation and encouragement from meeting everybody. And one of the great things was 99% of the guys were so down to earth, whether they were bigger channels, smaller channels, different different um, social media platforms. Everybody was there was just sharing their experiences and wanting to talk and to exchange information, man. I really loved it. So especially since I'm moving there this year, I, I'm sure as long as Menfluential was there, I'll probably be there too. That's how much I got out of it. Well, this wasn't supposed to be Menfluential ad, but I share, all, I share the same thoughts. Like, <laughs> uh, same thing, just connecting with people. And it's easy because like when you put a video out and you hope that it gets, I don't know, a few hundred or a few thousand views in the first, you know, in the first couple of days, it's easy to forget that that's like, that's a person giving you time in giving their attention to connect with you. And uh, it's like the comment section comes alive because it's it's so great to have that in-person feedback. Well, so you're making some cool moves and you're going to be uh, really heading out on the channel. What's uh, What else are you really excited about as you go forward? Well, one of the things recently is that, as you know, as you grow, you start to get a lot of uh, sponsors coming at you. But one of the things I, I, I'm trying to figure out, one thing that's definitely helped, I've, I've actually signed some sponsorship deals, but I've been able to kind of do them organically with, cat, with um, products I probably already recommended, already used. And I think one of the things I'm trying to figure out is the best way to continue to give as much as I can to my community, but at the same time, Find a way to do it that not only I'm not digging into my pocket as much, but be a little bit more profitable. Because I think a lot of people may not understand that it costs money to do this. And, you know, whether it's opportunity costs taking me away from my business, which is very successful, and taking me away from family, friends, especially if you do as much content as I do. Because, you know, it's been 13 months. I have over 350 videos. So it takes a lot. Um, so I'm excited that. I'm starting to get sponsors here and there. I made a conscious decision that I'll do no more than maybe one sponsored video a week tops. Just now I'm figuring out how to incorporate sponsors, how to make this more of a business, more profitable, so I can be sustain myself and be able to give more. So the more I'm able to bring sponsors on, I can improve quality, 
Um, I want to take some classes on video making, photography, um, just storytelling. I want to make my videos better. So if I'm able to make a little bit more money, bring on sponsors, I can dedicate some of my energy to make the quality better. So I think it'll be kind of a circle that'll make the quality better. I'll be able to dedicate more time. And I'm definitely taking a complete risk. I'm, I'm stepping out on a limb. To be honest with you, when I move, YouTube is probably going to be take up 85% of my time. And I'll probably do the, my little chiropractic, I call it little chiropractic stuff on the side. It's funny even saying it that way. But I see such a unique opportunity and a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity with this that, you know, I'm kind of pushing myself. Because if I stay here in the Philadelphia area where I've been born and raised, there's a level of comfort. There's a safety net. And so me leaving and relocating is a way of motivating and pushing myself, taking the safety net away. And I just got to make this YouTube thing work even more. It's working well. I'm very happy, very satisfied where I am now. But I think it can be, it can be first of all, better and bigger. So those are my goals, and that's the reason why I'm moving to Atlanta. All, all those things I just mentioned are the reasons why the spurring this major life change. Yeah, that's exciting, man. Yeah, it's it's so funny that it's it's so hard to navigate the sponsored content with uh, non-sponsored content. And of course, you know, even if like for you, if you do daily uploads and you do one sponsored video out of four or five, someone's gonna complain about it. But if you look at any channel, there is a direct correlation between. Uh, when they started, you know, doing sponsorships and making more money and their production quality, you know, or maybe their upload frequency. So I think getting some money coming in really does help you make better and more videos. So I, I think just looking at what you've done so far, I think you're, you'll be able to uh, navigate that and your audience seems to have responded very positively so far. Well, what I found, I found little to no pushback. I think because anyone who's watched my channel for a while, you see all of these videos with no sponsorships and I do one here and there, you're not going to complain that much. And I, I think with my audience, and, I, and I'm very, I answer almost every comment, I'm very direct. I told a couple guys, look, how much free content do I owe you? I'm giving you 350 free videos, and I promise you, I'm not going to do no more than 25% sponsored videos. Um, if you respect me and you appreciate what I do, you'll be okay if I make a couple dollars here and there. And they understand. And to be honest, I've gotten more congratulations and we're going to support this sponsor. And we project. And but the only thing they say, please don't do every video sponsored. Make sure the sponsors you make sense and organic. And please don't shove down our throat. Cheap watches, cheap this, cheap that, that we know you don't use. Those are the only things. So I pay attention to the audience. I've watched some of the other channels. Um, I never count another guy's money. So whatever. Uh, sponsors they choose to take i'm okay for it and even people will come on my channel say you don't do the sponsorship like channel a or channel b i tell them listen these guys didn't make a living matter of fact go off my channel go watch some of the sponsored videos i'm not what i'm positioning myself differently because that's what i'm choosing to do but it's not a critique or a criticism of what they do this is what i've chosen to do i think it makes for a better viewer experience if every video is not sponsored but if you choose to do a sponsored video in every video, that's that person's channel. So you're not going to have me tear down someone else for doing it. Um, I'm a capitalist myself, a serial entrepreneur. Yes, I would love to make a very handsome living doing this, but I'm not going to allow it to interfere with the viewer experience. Any sponsor I take on is going to be as organic as possible. I'm going to know a little bit, or it's going to be a product that I want to experience and I think is worth the audience trying out. So 
I think if you strike that balance of being authentic and don't shove it down the throat every video, I, I'm not ever going to do every video as a sponsored thing. I just don't think it makes for a great viewer experience. And it's one of the reasons why I stopped watching other channels in our genre and outside of our genre because I was consumer first. And I don't think it makes for a great um, viewing experience. So that's why I choose to do it that way. I agree. Yeah, to Brock and I end up talking about the whole sponsorship balance and that thing all the time and uh, you definitely see it on the big channels well I'm excited to watch your entrepreneur eye applied to the way you're building YouTube is there a way that like obviously people check out the Stylogy Instagram and YouTube is there a way that people could follow how you're also building this like are you going to do like a weekly series or maybe on Instagram just just your process of uh, you know the process of moving and process of building is there an easy way to follow that well, what I'm going to do, one of my goals when I, as I'm moving and when I move, I'm going to kind of do more Instagram. Brock and myself, we spoke about this on the phone last week. Um, I, one of the things I would definitely want to do, is I find that Instagram stories may be a good way to do it. To, because with my YouTube, I spend so much time, you know, writing, scripting. And I think sometimes doing something uns, unscripted or doing Instagram stories, I'm definitely going to take people along with me. I also plan as I move forward to kind of bring people more into my life as far as a healthcare provider. And I'm actually probably going to start adding content that is health related. Um, 80 to 90% of my videos are still going to be styled, but I think if I bring in um, some healthcare related issues that I'll let people know, hey, this is a life, it's a men's lifestyle channel. Part of your lifestyle is your health and fitness. I have almost 20 years experience in the healthcare field. I don't want to leave that information out because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to help guys be the best guys they can be. So if my expertise is also in health, I want to bring that in too. So one of the things I'll let the cat out of the bag, one of the things I'm doing now is I'm going to probably do a series of, of health-related videos maybe once a week. And the first one, probably in a couple of months, is going to be my yearly journey. Of in the spring, I lose a bunch of weight. And in the summer, I'm usually in good shape. But what I'm going to do is probably present it from a, from a health benefit. I'm in my 40s, you know, one of the main indicators of potential health risk factors is belly fat. So I'm losing the belly fat, not only for aesthetic reasons, but for health reasons. So I'm going to kind of bring people into my life, um, make it less um, programmed and scripted and kind of bring, I may start doing a little vlogging here and there, but the main format is going to be remain the same, but I do want people kind of get to know. And I get a lot of requests that people just want to know a little bit more about me. So that's one of the things that not only do I want to do it from a business and a channel perspective, but just for as a personal growth thing, um, to be a little more extroverted and be able to share myself more with people and let people in. So I, I definitely plan on chronicling the growth of the channel, bringing people in, maybe doing more vlogs. Um, but I'm trying to figure out the best way to do it because Brock and myself, we spoke, how do you incorporate different um, structure, different ways of presenting the video where you don't lose the audience who has come to expect just going to start talking in front of his gray screen. He's going to say this, he's going to give us a lookbook. He's going to end it. And people, I think people are creatures of habit. They get used to you doing things a certain way. So there's that challenge of how much do you change, but how do you much do you remain the same? So I'm excited about the challenge of figuring that out. And definitely, John, I'm definitely going to try to bring people in to get them to know me and take them along this journey, this big life change. And I kind of want to use it as motivation for other people to take the risk. Like I said, I'm in my 40s. You know, a lot of times people my age bracket, we don't take big risks. So I, I want to people bring people along, let them see the ups and downs, the success, the failures of it. So I, I definitely am going to bring people in along this journey. 
Well, that's fantastic. I've been subscribed since like the fall of last year, and I'm looking forward to seeing the continued growth, seeing that transition, and learning more about you, Jeff. And uh, I already got my ticket for next year from Influential, so we will definitely be seeing each other there again. Definitely. All right, Jeff, before we sign off, we have uh, quick rapid-fire questions. So these are like one-word answers off the top of your head. We didn't send you these beforehand, and so uh, first thing that comes to your mind. Oxfords or Brogues? Brogues. Uh, a morning shower or evening shower? Morning. Cardio or lifting? That's a tough one. Cardio. What was the last book you read? Four-hour work week. Oh, that's a good one. Chinos, jeans, or trousers? Man, they know you really chinos. Chinos, okay. And then uh, yeah. you're getting in the shower. You're gonna get pumped up for a big day. What's the song you're playing to get pumped up? Mama said, "Knock you out, LL Cool J." Oh, all right. We're gonna link to some of that <laughs> stuff uh, down in the description. So check those out. All right, everybody, check out Stylo G. Thanks for coming on the Buttoned Up Podcast, and we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Buttoned Up Podcast, a collaboration between John Shanahan of The Cavalier and Brock McGough of Modest Man, and we will see you next week.